I didn't do anything. There you have it. An American community caught suddenly in a moment of crisis. Neighbors set against neighbors as they differ on what should be done about one Negro and his family who have come to share with them the American dream of a better way of life for their children. Many seem convinced that property values must decline when a community or a neighborhood becomes integrated. The studies which have been made prove the opposite to be true. Property values go up, provided there is no wave of panic selling. And even when there is panic, after the situation is stabilized, prices climb back and frequently go even higher than they were when the initial sale to a Negro was made. Does the integration of Negroes into a white community result in a higher rate of crime, violence, or juvenile delinquency? Not at all. Negroes living in predominantly white communities show a lower incidence of crime than average for the general population. Is intermarriage the ultimate goal of Negroes in seeking to integrate into previously white communities? The studies show that of all the reasons Negroes have for seeking equality of opportunity, intermarriage is the least. And of all the fears that whites express, this is the greatest. Negroes seek only the right to buy or rent the kind of housing on the open market which they can afford. This basic principle of the free enterprise system, of which we're justly proud, is now denied to them in many communities. The exclusion of Negroes from white communities and their restriction to all Negro neighborhoods fixes negative ideas about them, which are carried over from generation to generation. These false notions cause the abandonment by the white population of large areas within our great cities at a tremendous cost to the nation. Aided by a prosperous post-war economy, Negroes have held fast to their wartime gains and have sought to improve their lot in life. Advances against discrimination have been made in many fields. A new and much larger Negro middle class has grown up. Able, ambitious, and confident, these families are determined to leave the old, densely packed, segregated neighborhoods, and they're economically able to do it. They have the money to buy their way out of the slums. What happened in Levittown is merely the beginning of what is to follow in communities all over the country during the next few years, as Negroes, like all other Americans, get better education, better jobs, and accumulate more savings. Can we prepare our communities to receive these new neighbors in dignity and peace? Or will we wreck our communities with violence and abandon them in panic? This is a challenge posed for us as Levittowners sum it up for themselves. I don't think you can take a middle of the stand here. Either you're for them or against them. I've taken a stand for, for peace and nonviolence and no intimidation of the Myerses. I don't have any prejudice uh, against uh, coward. It's just that I wouldn't like to have one as a neighbor. We would act to them as we'd act to any other neighbors. We would be friendly towards them and, and speak to them and visit with them. I wouldn't care to live in the community where the Negroes would be living. I think that the majority of people here will accept things and uh, believe, and I believe, that a good neighbor is not one whose color is white or black, just as a good citizen as such. Mr. Meyer.
highest than all the Negroes have the right. I'm no better than them. They're as good as I am. But the only reason that Mr. Myers came into Levittown is to show people they could get here. I, I just feel that they're within their legal rights to move in here. And if they move in, they're law-abiding citizens. I have no complaints. If more colored are allowed to move in, Levittown is going to go downhill. I don't think that the Myers have anything to do with the property decreasing or increasing. I think it's purely a white problem, not a Negro problem. The main issue is the right of these people to live like Americans and how they choose to be accepted as good neighbors. We are hearing a lot today about systemic racism. Is that a term that really is appropriate for America? Stay tuned. Yes, systemic racism still alive in America. For the answers to this questions and more, stay tuned for the next episode of Chilling with Teddy G. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of Chilling with Teddy G. As you know, here we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar and no frosting. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we don't use any flavor in here. We serve all our stories up to you raw. So go grab yourself a favorite cup of coffee, tea, or latte, and join me for the next few minutes as I guarantee to entertain you. As you know, my name is Ted Drill, and I'm your host on Chillin' with Teddy J. I welcome you, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of Chillin' with Teddy G. Uh, let's get this laundry out of the way. As you know, I like to keep it clean around here. Uh, the copyright statute of uh, 1976 under Title 17, that's Section 107. Allowances is made for fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. Nonprofit, educational, or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. All right, now that we got it clean here, ladies and gentlemen, I want to uh, discuss this issue of uh, systemic racism and is it still alive in America today? Does it still exist? Well, first, I'm going to answer that question by saying, in my opinion, yes, it still does exist, very much so. Now, and I'll tell you uh, why I believe so. Well, you know what? Let me tell you this first. Uh, this uh, episode and this discussion came about because actually I was doing some research on uh, trying to find out why people's episodes on YouTube are mysteriously or miraculously disappearing. Uh, people that, that I listen to and that I follow, like uh, Amadaya Shakur, uh, like uh, uh, the Minister of Wellness, uh, his name is Nate, uh, Nathaniel, and uh, um, uh, others uh, uh, that I listen to, strangely, ladies and gentlemen, when they're telling the truth about issues on their on their platforms, when uh, suddenly, for somehow, 
people are losing their views people are losing comments from some of the uh subscribers and whole episodes ladies and gentlemen have been totally uh removed from somehow i'm not saying that youtube doing it i'm not saying what it is all i know is when they get to important subjects and issues uh they just disappear and then you 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 uh some of them are getting warnings that that if they continue to discuss uh certain topics or use a certain type of uh language and not inappropriate language just certain language that uh, uh they get these uh they those episodes get removed and they get these warnings saying that you only have so many chances before you are totally removed and won't be allowed to come back. Like, uh, uh, for example, the Minister of Wellness. I, I, from what I understand, he has a couple more chances to uh, be on YouTube uh, without losing his uh, uh, um, videos or his membership provided that he speaks in a certain way and don't talk about uh, a certain issue. But, you know, luckily for him, he has uh, other platforms where you can still go and hear him at. But just the fact to hear that he could possibly get permanently removed for voicing his opinion is uh, totally uh, absurd. But anyway, that brings me back to uh, the reason why I'm discussing this systemic racism because in, in the, uh, while doing research to try to find out about these missing episodes, uh, I came across a, a, uh, a platform from this, uh, uh, group called, uh, uh, Christ in prophecy, which comes from the, uh, lamb and, um, lion ministries. Well, when I watched this and, uh, uh, and listened to what they had to say, I was utterly shocked. I was so shocked that I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to save that um, those missing videos and mysteriously uh, uh, disappearing uh, uh, comments and memberships for another time. I need to address this issue right away. Especially now, I want, uh, because this particular uh, episode, uh, which is called uh, Racism in America from the uh, uh, platform uh, Christ in Prophecy, was just uploaded to YouTube yesterday. And the things that I heard them say, I said, you know, oh no, you know what, let me get on this right now and deconstruct what... Um, exactly what they're saying and give you the the pros and cons the the truth the false statements the the uh, uh and the outright lies that they're, they're saying before this uh, uh grows or becomes viral or before a lot of people uh, uh start uh viewing it actually it's it's just short a couple of views of uh 2000 views 
So that's what brought this about today. Okay, now that I gave you that explanation and got that out of the way, I'm going to be playing segments from this show, and then I'm going to deconstruct them for you. That was the very purpose of the reason why I started the show the way that I did. That um, show that you heard me play at the very beginning was from the uh, uh, 1950s. And uh, and actually, it was a news article about uh, a family, a, a um, black family that moved into a white neighborhood. And they was the first family that moved into that neighborhood. And you heard the uh, comments that they had to say about this uh, integration, or as they like to uh, uh say today gentrification so uh that was the reason why i played that because i want y'all to hear uh what was said and what was going on back then because you know there was segregation and discrimination and and uh uh, uh all types of uh racist things going on back then you know, you had all of the white supremacist group like the Ku Klux Klan, and you had the uh, attitude of just uh, American citizens when it came to them not wanting to live around what they consider as a uh, second class or third class citizens, which which were the uh, black family. So I'm going I'm going to get right into this, and I'm and I'm going to play the, and I know you guys guys are going to be shocked too. When I play this for you, you can't believe that these people feel this way in uh, 2020. That's right. You can't, you know, and and uh, and we know, well, you know what? I'm going to play some parts for it, and then I'm going to deconstruct it. Let's get into that. Dr. David Reagan is the uh, host of the show. I'm going to play a little bit of the beginning so you can get a, a history of the uh, three white gentlemen uh, on this panel. Let's see here. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest with us today, a former member of our staff, a wonderful evangelist by the name of Dennis Pollock. Dennis served with me as my assistant evangelist for 11 years before he decided 15 years ago in 2005 to establish his own ministry called Spirit of Grace. Dennis, we are just delighted to have you with us today, and it's hard to believe it's been 15 years. It is very hard to believe. I was, as I was driving up here, I was thinking, man, I, I used to be here all the time. Now, I'm looking at you, and I'm reminded of Joseph and his coat of many colors. Now, what <laughs> in the world do you have on, and what is that called? Well, this is what's known uh, in uh, common language as a shirt. And <laughs> <laughs> what is it known in Africa? Well, it's known in Africa as a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't speak some of the local dialects, so they may have other names in their local language, but... Uh... Well, let me deconstruct that right now, ladies and gentlemen, before I even go on with the more important things. The gentleman is wearing a colorful darshiki that he obviously purchased or, or his wife purchased in, the, in Africa, where he does a lot of his ministry work at. So they felt that to be funny and... And the uh, host of the show 
you heard the questions that he asked. So I, which I believe in so many uncertain terms, he's trying to be insulting because this uh, white gentleman is wearing this uh, uh, dashiki. So I wanted to get that out of the way so you can understand what the joke was because I know you can't see what's going on. So I wanted to uh, paint that picture for you. He got on this nice, bright uh, uh, a purple and uh, a gold and, and, and brown uh, dashiki with this beautiful pattern on it. So uh, I, they're making fun of it. This is an African shirt. Africans love color. They love bright colors. And uh, it seems like about every time I go to Africa, I'll usually have someone give me a shirt or Benedicta will buy me one, my wife. Uh, and uh, so, and I'll usually preach in one at least once. All right. Now, your ministry is primarily aimed at Africa, right? Well, that is, has been a big emphasis. I, I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of video production. You know, I've got two different YouTube channels. Going. Audio recording. Uh, audio recording. Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff, but we've been kind of known for our African missions. And you are actually married to a Nigerian, aren't you? I am married to a Nigerian, a lovely Nigerian lady named Benedicta. And I met her when I was praying for a wife and was over in Lagos, Nigeria. I saw this beautiful lady with a camera, and I thought, wow, you know. And, uh, uh, she's and, very beautiful. Well, she's not only a beautiful lady, but she's a lady who's on fire for the Lord. Well, she loves the Lord, and that was the thing I was concerned. It's like, well, she's she's beautiful, no doubt, but does she love the Lord? So she wanted to interview me. She was actually recording some of my programs and trying to put together a video. She had her on camera, so I was interviewing her at the same time, asking, why aren't you married? And if trying to find out if she really loved the Lord, and turned out she did. So well, today, she well. is a vital part of your ministry, because she, she actually goes over usually ahead of you and prepares everything for you to arrive, and then she actually does teaching, particularly with women, doesn't she? Well, yeah, not only with women, but in the general group as well. And uh, yeah, you know, when, when we got married, I didn't have any idea what she could do or whether she could speak. It didn't really matter. I, I fell in love with her and, and, and knew that she loved the Lord, but the, the very first time we went to a, a church there in Lagos, Nigeria, uh, after we were married, the pastor gave her a microphone to just kind of give testimony of what God had done in her life by bringing us together. And she just went to town and preached like a tiger. And I, I was I was in awe and, and in tears in love. thinking, this lady, <laughs> I haven't just married a, a beautiful lady, I've married a preacher. <laughs> so it would be wasteful not to put her to work. And it turned out she was a good administrator as well. So yeah, I, you, you know, she is a vital part. Of the oh, now I want to cut him off right there because did you hear that word that he stopped when he said, uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to use and then he stopped it and said that, uh, uh, something uh, other than that. Well, you just heard what he said. But I want to emphasize that part that where he said use. And you have to understand that he, he told you that his wife is Nigerian. So naturally, you know, she's a black woman. And he just told you her, uh, how this queen is a, a very powerful speaker. That she's a very uh, beautiful woman. And uh, as he was praying for a wife, he saw her. And everything else led from there. But then you also heard the uh, host of the show say, 
well, how she goes there before you go there, how she sets everything up, how she gets everything ready uh, for you before you come there. And then she gets the uh, uh, a crowd uh, uh, amped up and get them, uh, get them primed and get them ready for him to come on and do his thing which which any black individual already know that's what our queens do and which they normally do for their husband which whose husbands are normally black individuals and i know i have to, i have to point that out you know but uh when he used that word use i decided to use her lets me know that uh uh that that's the whiteness coming out in him because there was a more appropriate words that he could have chose rather than the word used and he recognized it right away that's the very reason why he he cut it off right quick but uh anyway uh uh yeah i felt it was pertinent to let you guys uh, uh in on that little bit of information but let's continue with their show well, that's right, God, for your ministry, and particularly the way God has really blessed it over the years and expanded your scope and your outreach. You know, um, Dennis, I was, uh, when all these, uh, uh, all this protesting began in the streets of America, uh, early on, I saw uh, protesters at the Dallas City Hall, and the TV uh, man was interviewing them, and he would say, well, now, why are you here? And a few said, well, we're protesting against police brutality. But nearly everybody, and these were all teenagers and 20-year-olds, yeah. were saying, well, I'm, I'm protesting against systemic racism. And I thought, where did that term come from? That doesn't roll off the tongue of a teenager or a 20-year-old. Oh, I, I had to look it up. It means a, a system is structured with an unfair impact on a particular group, even if no law mentions race. Yeah. So, and, and, okay, I had to cut him off there because I definitely need to deconstruct that uh, right there. That's because I don't know where he got that explanation from what dictionary he pulled that out of. It must have been something from the from the fifties. Because the uh from Wikipedia it says right here, systemic racism or also known as uh institutionalized institutional racism is a form of racism that is embedded as a normal practice with society or an organization, it can lead to such issues as discrimination in criminal justice, employment, housing, health care, political power, and education, <clears throat> among other issues. And everybody knows that these things are prevalent and going on in society today every one of those things that i just mentioned is happening here today ladies and gentlemen so that episode that i mean that uh explanation that he gave for the meaning of systemic racism uh, had to be coming from some dictionary that's long since been out of use now secondly let's go to what uh the host said about where would uh, teenagers and young, um, 
young individuals, you know, teenagers and people in their 20s, where would they get that word from? I'm going to tell you where they got that word from. They got that word from seeing what's happening here in America today. They see the very same thing, very same thing going on today that went on in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and before that. They say they see the same thing happening uh, that makes them uh, use that particular word. Otherwise, they would have used another word. But they use that word, ladies and gentlemen, because they see where they are. And then let's not forget that uh, um, they had to witness this and see this and know the difference between the two in order for them to even consider using that word. So that's where it came from, and that's where they got it from, sir. So let me uh, uh, help you out with that. If you don't know where they got that word from, that's where they got it from, what they're seeing and what they're witnessing happening in the world in uh, 2020. Yeah, I, I wanted to play this for you again. Just, just listen at this. We're saying, well, I'm, I'm protesting against systemic racism. And I thought, where did that term come from? That doesn't roll off the tongue of a teenager or a 20-year-old. Oh, I know. I had to look it up. It means... And this other host, who looks like that he's in his, at, at least his 50s, said that he had to look up systemic racism and then the, what he looked up uh listen to this explanation again this, this his definition a system is structured with an unfair impact on a particular group even if no law mentions race even if no law mentions race where did he get that uh, uh explanation from what what dictionary did that come out of it certainly didn't come out of one that was uh, uh written of late so, in fact, it, it, it's, it's, if it's systemic, it's throughout the whole thing, right. intentional, on purpose, everything is designed to discriminate. And, and I just thought, man, they don't know what's this. And I just gave you the whole definition of it, where they're discriminating in every aspect of every black person's life. Housing, health care, employment, education. And uh, that list goes on and on and on. So he's wondering where it came from, and he seemed, and he wants to tell y'all that this is not happening today. Systemic racism is. I grew up in the 40s and 50s. I know what it is. Yeah. They need a little historical perspective. What is your perspective on this? Well, I, I agree completely. I, uh, there has been sy systemic racism in America. In fact, from the time it was founded up to about the mid-60s and a little bit beyond, there, it was. And systemic, uh, a common uh, layman's uh, interpretation or, or meaning of that word is riddled with. America is riddled with racism. It's in the government. It's in the police departments. It's in the corporations. It's in the business sector. It's everywhere. Now, he's naming everything, ladies and gentlemen. Think about this. He's naming everything where racism is today. He's not. He's trying to say that the stuff that he's naming is, is from yesteryear, which it was, but it's had, it's never has stopped. Systemic racism has continued all my life, and I'm sixty. So, 
and, and, and he's naming every part of where racism is today. But because he used to work for this ministry his, himself, you heard him say it, he, he worked there 11 years. He's not trying to embarrass them or actually tell the truth about racism still existing today because that's a bridge that he 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 doesn't want to burn plain and simple and you can't get away from it and it was and in the 19 you know and now when i was growing up i never even thought about racism i was a little white boy and i lived in a little white neighborhood and uh, you know we didn't have uh, blacks in our schools uh if we'd ever go out to restaurants which we didn't much because my parents weren't that wealthy in those days you almost had to be wealthy to do much restaurant eating but anyway you wouldn't see blacks there you just didn't see blacks much at all i I think our church was a little unusual we had a couple of black families but that was uncommon in those days so I, i never much thought about it and and the martin luther King actually started his uh, his uh, uh, ministry of trying to bring equality to the blacks around the time I was born, which was 1953. But this got really uh, ahead of steam in the 60s, and in the, in the 64 and 65, Linda Johnson uh, Johnson uh, signed those laws that basically said it is illegal, segregation is illegal, discrimination is illegal. You have to give the rights uh, of blacks to vote. Don't charge them uh, voter fees. Don't give them literacy tests, you know, and, and all of that. So, so let me deconstruct that for you as well. They surely train him well because he's making sure that he don't ruffle uh, white America's feathers or anybody at this ministry when he sit back here and he, he's giving Lyndon Johnson this... Uh, almighty praise like just one morning he woke up and said okay well you know what we're gonna stop this uh these issues with these votings and and and, uh all of this uh discrimination that's going on as we know ladies and gentlemen that is not how it happened in fact martin luther king and a few other individuals was around at the very time that lyndon johnson signed this uh civil rights act and he signed this act because of what martin luther king was doing what he was doing what what um uh these uh lunch counter sit-ins was doing what what mega Everest was doing what rosa parks was doing what malcolm x was doing this is the reason why ladies and gentlemen that uh, uh lyndon johnson signed this because he was trying to bring an end to these uh, these um, peaceful marches that was going on, and that uh, um, blacks were standing up against uh, the white supremacy. So it wasn't just because oh he woke up one morning and he decided to do the right thing. Let's get that perfectly clear. This is something that he's not mentioning and he's not talking about. He's bringing it about like Lyndon Johnson just woke up one morning and decided to do the right uh, thing, to do the humane thing, to be the 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 uh, the uh, uh, savior of the the black race. He's got to be kidding uh, for him to even think. What does he? What does he? These people think? Do they think that everybody? 
uh, who lived back then is gone and that they're the only ones around? Or maybe they think that the only ones who are going to listen to this ministry is um, a, 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 a people like them. And that this will never reach over into a, a, a black America so they can say what they want. But then that's what privileged individuals do anyway. And we all know this. Uh, and, and I will say a couple of things. You know, we're in agreement. America has had systemic racism. Had? Listen to him speaking ignorant again. Had? point I think the church needs to admit. One thing that disappoints me about the evangelical church in those days, they really didn't get on board with supporting their black brothers and sisters. They don't now either. Don't talk like all of a sudden that that's gone away. They needed Martin Luther King. They needed those laws passed. It, it was terrible in those days. And a lot of the evangelical preachers, Baptist pastors, Pentecostal pastors, and the ones that really love the Bible and believe the Bible, they weren't out there protesting. It was the liberals. It was the, the Hollywood types uh, that were out there protesting. That's absolutely not true, ladies and gentlemen. That's an outright lie. I'm not, To say that they were the only ones out there. If anybody's seen uh, the, the marches back then, they seen different uh, uh, sex sect with uh, Martin Luther King and other ones as they marched. They had Jews out there marching with him. Martin Luther King had uh, uh, um, Christians out there marching with him. He had uh, nuns, Catholics out there marching with him. They, they had um, Catholic uh, uh, bishops and, and out there marching with him. So for him to just sit out here and tell this outright lie that uh, they was doing this by themselves is, is uh, totally false, totally untrue. You had many um, white individuals who knew what was going on in this uh, country was wrong. So I'm not going to sit down here and let him try to fool y'all head full of this malarkey. The evangelicals pretty much stayed home. There were some exceptions. Billy Graham would go up into the uh, stadiums where uh, in the South where they put up signs, blacks only, whites only, and he would tear those signs down. So he, you know, he was ahead of his time. And he was, and Oral Roberts did, I think, pretty much the same thing. So there, it's not that there were no evangelicals that were really supporting that, but many And he's naming two of the one. You know what? I, I ain't going to even get off on that. But they're definitely not the only two. Believe me on that. Evangelicals did not. That was then, and this is now. And so, you know, these days, uh, the, the laws are passed. The government has done about all a government can do legally and by law to, uh, to end racism in terms of policy. Is he drunk? Is he on this Christian program drinking? Telling an, another bald-faced lie, saying that the government has done all that they could do to end racism? Is he kidding? When when racism and uh, white supremacy exist, 
in every facet of America, they're, they're in the White House. They're in uh, every facet of the government. They're wearing uh, blue uniforms, carrying guns, with, and doing these uh, state-sanctioned murders. They're wearing white coats and, and, and running through these hospitals. Killing, yes, I said it, killing black people, especially a lot of these ones who then came down with this COVID-19 because they're essential workers. And I've heard nurses and I've heard of other doctors uh, talk about the practices that they're doing where uh, a lot of these uh, uh, black individuals aren't getting the proper medical treatment and they're in the hospital and, and they're not getting the proper treatment that they need to help combat this virus. Or even some of the other uh, um, issues that they may have had already when they come in there and they they're, they uh, have pre-existing conditions. And he want to sit down here and say that the government has done everything within their power. Ladies and gentlemen, they ain't done nothing in their power yet to end racism. When we can sit back here and see what happened to George Floyd. And they don't think there's some type of reform uh, um, and some type of defunding uh, doesn't need to go on. And, and they may say we got black people in different positions. Well, I'm going to go there later on, but that's another... Uh, 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 Horse of a different color. See, in terms of what what is called systemic racism. Well, I'm a lot older than you are. Yes, and, you are. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, everything was segregated. Everything. I mean, movie theaters, churches, uh, uh, stadiums, uh, transportation. We had apartheid in America. Everything was separate, and people uh, of race were treated terribly. Uh, I think the, one of the worst things was the way they kept them from voting because the, I think it's the 15th Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees the right to vote. But what happened, particularly... Well, hold up. Before he get there, no, that wasn't the worst thing. I think killing us and raping us and, 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 and lynching us and setting us on fire and cutting up our genitals, I think that's a little bit worse than them restricting our voting rights. Throughout the South... Was, uh, they had literacy tests, and uh, a white man who could not read or write would always seem to pass the literacy test. Yeah. Whereas the the black man who could read Shakespeare and interpret it for you just couldn't quite seem to read well enough to vote. And then they had the poll tax, and and I have a picture here of a poll tax receipt from 1945, and it cost a dollar and seventy five cents to vote in Texas. In 1945, $1.75 is equivalent to $25 today in purchasing power. Wow. So they basically had to pay 25 bucks to vote in yeah. 1945. And it was that Civil Rights Act of 1965 of under Johnson that changed all that. And that was really the key to changing things was the right to vote. You know, when I was a kid, no blacks were in any offices anywhere. And here, people are down here at the Dallas City Hall protesting against systemic racism, and the most powerful man in Dallas is the city manager, black, the mayor, black, the uh, district attorney, a progressive black, the police chief, a black lady, the sheriff, a black lady, and the one prior to that was a Hispanic lesbian who ran for governor. Let me deconstruct that right quick for you. Okay, you, you've heard of the word Oreos, you heard of the word coons, 
You heard of the ones who uh, were put in there uh, specifically so they do not disrupt the way that the uh, country is um, still being ran today? Yeah, they got what they call they tokens, y'all. Remember that word from back in the day? Yeah, I, we got our, our, our token Negro. So they can't say that now uh, there's not um, a blacks in uh, these uh, key positions. But these ones that's in these key positions, ladies and gentlemen, were handpicked. So they could be the, these butter biscuits and boot licking individual to make sure that they did not disrupt the flow of things. They in there, but they, you bet not help no black people. You bet not do one good thing for them. If you do, they're going to be consequences behind it. So they getting their paychecks, they getting their, they getting their uh, uh, money and their pensions, and they is not going to disrupt the flow of privileged Americas Americans in this country. You want to sit down here and, and, and name and show these pictures of these black individuals who happen to be holding these positions in Texas when they were handpicked. That's nothing more, ladies and gentlemen, no different from the House Negro. The House Negro was handpicked. They didn't just let any uh, cotton-picking Negro come from out of the field and work in the big house. Every, each and every one of them was handpicked, just like each and every one of these uh, um, butter biscuits and bootlick people are uh, uh, handpicked. You, you you got your you got your your Gail Kings are handpicked. You got your Oprah Winfrey's handpicked. You got all of these handpicked Negroes who is not going to uh, upset the balance of things at all. Please. Systemic racism? <laughs> That's unbelievable that, that that would even exist in the 1940s or 50s. It's wonderful to see that we have... Now you hear him, he's trying to say it, it's unheard of in the 1950s and 60s. Boy, ladies and gentlemen, i tell you what. Before I even go on with the rest of this, you know, I hate doing stories like this. And the reason why this brings up so much hatred in my heart is because these... Uh, white individuals think that we stupid they think the old and the young got to be stupid to sit down here and believe what they're talking about at this round table think that we must don't have a clue on what's going on like i said before they, they must think that ain't no blacks watching this or if they are they're hand-picked negroes who go into their churches uh, who who live in the life the way that uh, uh, they want them to live. Because everything that they're sitting down here saying right now, especially trying to tell a lie that systemic racism don't exist today. They got some coffee cups on the table. I need to know what's in them. What, what y'all drinking? We have three generations represented here. As I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, Racism was virtually non-existent. All my friends were a mixture of different countries. Television, we loved Bill Cosby. Uh, politics, you had black people running. Oprah Winfrey. 
You heard him, Mr. Talking about Oprah Winfrey. And then you heard him talking about there was no racism going on in the 80s and 90s. I told you what they got in that cup. What y'all drinking? For y'all to be sitting out here telling these bold-faced lies. Then they're talking about uh, hey, we watched the, the Cosby's. Okay, well, answer this. Where's Bill at right now? Where is Bill Cosby today? Can y'all answer that? Will y'all talk about that? was the most famous person it just didn't occur to us and now my children's generation has seemed to have slid back into this idea that everything's racist involved and they see the world through a lens of racism and it just pains me to see that i feel like why is that why do they see the world like that see he's sitting out here trying to get his own self in trouble because he's talking about his children and about what they see is happening today tells you ladies and gentlemen that it's going on and 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 another thing too a lot of these children that see this racism going on ladies and gentlemen they're being taught that in their homes they're being taught racism in their homes because otherwise if they wasn't taught that otherwise if they didn't see that then they wouldn't be using the word systemic racism so who are y'all think y'all kidding y'all fooling yourselves because you ain't fooling no black person, man, woman, or child. And you're not even fooling your children. This white man sitting out here telling them that his children just slipped back. They couldn't slip back there, ladies and gentlemen, unless the uh, 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 slope was slippery. A slippery slope. That's what we call that. That's why they slipped back down there, because it's prevalent in today's society. They And, and another thing. How would they know about it? For them to slip down this slope if they what if they wasn't witnessing it. Please. We've stepped back instead of moved forward when it comes to this topic. Yeah. Uh, now I, I think we have to be clear. There are racists in America. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like there are thieves, there are liars, <laughs> there are murderers, you know, there are racists. Uh, and, and just because the and law... they're not all white. No, you're right about that. No, but every race is capable of racism. Just we want to make that the clear. They're not all white. doesn't mean that racism can't cause some problems. Let me give you an example. When, when uh, I married my first wife in 1975, we bought a mobile home to live in. And, uh, you know, obviously you have a mobile home, you have to live in a mobile home park. This was in Missouri. And uh, I found out as we were looking for the right park to live in that they almost every park in that area had a rule that said if you buy a mobile home in our park, in other words, somebody's selling their mobile home in their park and you buy it, you have to immediately move out. And I thought, that's a strange law, a strange rule. And I asked somebody, I said, why would they have such a stupid rule? You, why would they not want your business? You buy a mobile home in their park and you have to move out. He said, well, it's simple. He said, that keeps the blacks out because if you're black and you buy a mobile home, they tell you, they show you their rules on the books and, you know, you're required to move out. But if you're white, they just let it pass and you can wow. stay there. And sure enough, when we bought a mobile home in that park, which had a rule, you have to move out. They didn't make us move out. So, yeah, you can, you know, try to circumvent that. But still, there's no doubt about it that racism is, is not anywhere close to what it was before. And one of the best... He got to be kidding. Racism ain't nowhere close before. That rule that he talking about, ladies and gentlemen, that same rule still exists. 
I watched a few videos and did a, a show on it about four, four or five months ago on the very thing that he's talking about that was happening in 2020. Best examples is me and my wife. I mean, here I am, an old white guy married to a beautiful black lady. We go everywhere. We go to uh, uh, theaters. Right. And we're living in Texas. If we had done that in the 1950s, our lives would be in danger. We'd be getting threats. We'd be getting uh, stones thrown through our windows, bombs, who knows what. I would have never come to Texas. I would have, I'd be living out in California, maybe, or the North. Definitely not here. Things have changed for the better in uh, uh, all kinds of ways. And it's, it's kind of sad that we have one bad incident, which was Florida. Now, I, I'm not going to say it's the only bad incident, but it was, it's the, the most recent one. Where, you know, everybody that looked at the video of George Floyd being murdered, uh, you know, it was immediately appalled. It was like, no, that's just... Universal, which is a sign. Uh, I mean, think about that. Everybody was appalled. Yes. If we have systemic, systemic racism, not everybody would be appalled. No. Everybody wasn't appalled. You got people who clapping about that. I, obviously, y'all don't want to talk about the fact that uh, when this video was put out of this man's modern day lynching, you should have heard some of the comments from some of the trolls out there. In fact, you can listen to a black person, a, a black white supremacist, Candace Owens, and hear her point of view on it. So you think if she feel that way, that there ain't a whole bunch of uh, uh, white folks out there feeling that way? A whole bunch of them was feeling that way. You need to go back, if y'all can find it, look at that video and read them comments from them trolls. Read them comments from them, uh, them Trump supporters. And then y'all surely making light of this man's uh, um, murder. It was filmed. He had no problems with them filming him murdering this guy. And let's not forget, he, there was, what, was it three or four other cops who helped him commit this murder? They, they participated. He didn't do it alone. That's why he ain't being charged alone. That's why the, uh, the other three cops are on um, charges of uh, along with David Chavez, which is who we talking about, which was the guy who, who killed George Floyd. And then I don't see y'all mentioning and talking about uh, um, um, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, even most recent... Um, Breonna Taylor, and they got away with it. Right now, they're still protesting in the very streets right now, trying to get something done about the fact that um, they didn't charge them officers for her murder, especially after they was at the wrong house. Woman had nothing to do with drugs. They had the suspect that they were looking for in custody. This is the police. Can't tell me that wasn't a shakedown. Come on, y'all. 
and like I said, I, another reason why I hate reporting on this because this is supposedly, ladies and gentlemen, coming from a Christian station named Christ in the Prophecy. And you can hear this blatant racism coming out in their uh, conversation. And you can hear the lies. You can, you can literally see the lies. Wow. Well, Dennis, what is, I was looking at the Washington Post statistically, whether there's systemic racism or not. And the Washington Post keeps a database of all the crimes and arrests. And of 2019, there were 328 million people in America, right? There were 600,000 arrests for violent crime. Of those unarmed people shot by police, 55 out of all of that. 25 whites, 14 blacks, 11 Hispanics, and 5 others. That means 14 unarmed blacks were killed out of 10 million arrests. That equals 0.00014% of the population. And we have riots in the streets saying that... Let's knock a hole into that right now. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, we're still a minority. Alright, so there's a lot more whites in, in the country than there is uh, uh, blacks in the country. That's number one. Uh, number two is um, that uh, uh, um, those numbers aren't correct. He's not giving you the plus or minuses about that because we know that a lot of these uh, um, unarmed killing of black individuals aren't being reported. So when you sit down here and give me lamestream media report from the Washington Post and think that I'm supposed to take that as the gospel, you got another thing coming. Let's get that out of the way right there, right now. And then let me, you know what? Let me touch off on this too. If if what he's saying is true, um, and what I'm saying is true as far as there's a bigger white population here in America, and we all know this to be true. We all know this to be factual. Okay, uh, they got a cell phones too. And they got camera equipment. And they got uh, this and that. Why aren't we seeing these stories on the news or, or in social media? Why is it every time we see one that they... It, uh, it's a black person. I did a story two months ago, ladies and gentlemen, where in one month, five black individuals were hung. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. In one month, a couple months ago, five black individuals were hung, just like back in the day. There's a story going on right now, ladies and gentlemen, where these uh, four individuals um, killed a man, suffocated him. They could have hanged him. All we know is he died by strangulation, and then they set his body on fire. And all of them are um, in custody right now. And yeah, they are in, in uh, uh, being charged with this murder, but they're not being charged saying that it was a hate crime. Well, if you strangle a black guy and then you burn his body up, please tell me how that is. And all the individuals are white who committed this heinous crime. You please tell me how that's not a hate crime. 
See, that's that's what I hate about this. That's what makes me feel sad. You know, uh, about uh, this Christian or so-called Christian. I'm going to have to start saying that. Now, this so-called Christian station is uh, sitting out here trying to feed us this poppycock. But that's neither here nor there. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a, a short break for a, a quick commercial break. Ladies and gentlemen, this station runs completely off of uh, viewer support. So I ask you guys to uh, share this station with as many people as you can so we can get more supporters to uh, support this station. Each and every dollar, every contribution that is given to this station is put right back into the operation of this uh, station. So please, guys, I, I ask y'all to hit that follow button, hit that share button, and support this station if you can with whatever you can. If you can give a one-time donation, it's, it's greatly appreciated as our monthly donors. And if you're able to give on a monthly basis, ladies and gentlemen, I ask that you please do. And believe me, whatever you give this station, ladies and gentlemen, whether it be on a monthly basis or whether it be on a one-time basis, your donations will be truly blessed a thousandfold. All right, let's get back to uh, our programming. Police are going around gunning down unarmed black people when statistically it proves otherwise it's more white people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they somebody asked uh, some black uh, children, uh, how many people do you think are, how many blacks, unarmed blacks are shot by the police every year? And someone said a thousand, two thousand, you know, several thousand. Uh, it, it, last year it was actually nine. And well, that's why they're saying that, ladies and gentlemen, because they're seeing them. They're being broadcast on the news. They're, they're being broadcast on social media. Every, every little kid now, not back in the day, like when I was coming up, when they didn't have social media, they didn't have cell phones, you know, they got all of this stuff right now, ladies and gentlemen, and these kids are seeing it everywhere. They're seeing it in schools. They're seeing it on their computers. They're, they're seeing it through all the uh, social media. They're seeing, you can just turn on the TV, and on any, any given day, you can see an unarmed black man that was gunned down or, or, or somebody on a trial about uh killing an unarmed uh black man and i've got thousands of receipts ladies and gentlemen that i could give you on the the fact that this is happening and these guys are actually trying to hide this and trying to say that it, it doesn't exist they 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 got my skin boiling and your chances of, of a, an unarmed black person going out their door and and being shot by a policeman are much less than going out your door and being hit by lightning. It will happen more often. So Yeah, but what about my car? What about walking down the street? What about like Breonna Taylor sleeping in her home? What about um, Botham James in his home eating ice cream? These were all unarmed black people who uh, were shot and killed. And they were in their own homes as less. So what is he talking about? You ain't got to walk out your door. These three individuals who are white trying to talk about what's going on in a black's mind and how they feel. 
and what's happening and what they're living with. You guys have no clue on what a black man is living with and what they're going through on a daily basis. Not just a black man, but a black person. But y'all want to sit down here and talk about like y'all know it for a fact. You know nothing. And you're trying to um, trick your viewing audience. You're trying to make them... I got more respect for Trump than I got for y'all because at least he keep it real and tell it like it is. Y'all these in-the-closet racist people. And then you're trying to hide behind God in these ministries and whatnot, and you feel the way that you do. Shame on y'all. I guarantee you God don't like ugly, and this is not going to end well for you unless y'all start telling the truth about what's going on. It's, you know, it's not, you know, the people make all kinds of radical statements like, you know, you're taking your life in your hands every time you go out and... Uh, Ain't nothing radical about that. That's the truth. You know, as a black male, every time you go out, your life is in your hands. You know, you've got a good chance of not coming home. It's ridiculous. Now, my wife and I attended a black church for, for a number of years, and uh, those... Uh, it was in a nice, uh, fairly well-to-do neighborhood. Those young black men and, and the older ones, they all had jobs. They all lived in nice homes. You know, we went to home groups, uh, and uh, the homes they lived in were nicer than ours. We were in an apartment at that time. They were living in nice homes. So for, you know... And you find that strange? We were doing that back then when y'all was lynching us on tree. In fact, there was, we was doing that for y'all for free. We've been working since we got here, and now you think you find it strange that um, we're doing something that we was doing since we got here? Well, actually, since y'all brought us over here, because technically we was here even before the Indians. But that's something else that y'all had, and something else y'all don't talk about. But we ain't gonna get off into that right now. That's a sub. That's a conversation for uh, another subject for another episode. But don't act like we ain't, uh, that's strange to you that we're working. Only difference now is we're getting some crumbs off the loaf of bread. There was a time when we was doing it absolutely free by force. You know, you have an occasional uh, black male being killed, but you have millions of black men and women who wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, go to work, come home, spend time with their families, go to bed and repeat the same the next day. And they live out their lives. They're not hassled at all. You have no idea what the, you have no idea whether these people are hassled. I guarantee you every black individual that you're talking about, which is just about the entire population of the United States of America, has ran into some type of racism in some shape, form or fashion in their lifetime. And you can't sit down here and try to tell me about uh, y'all know that uh, black people are, are waking up and doing these things that you're talking about and not worried about um, not being uh, killed and not dealing with racism. Our parents had to have a talk with us. We still, we're having that talk with our children today and probably tomorrow our, our children and grandchildren are going to have to have the same conversation with their children. Y'all don't have no clue about the uh, the talk. You got to be kidding me. Oh, and, uh, you know, my wife has two uh, nephews that came from Nigeria. And when they got to America, they hit the ground running. They immediately got educated, education. They became pharmacists. They live in great houses. They live very comfortably. 
uh, and they don't get hassled by the police, to my knowledge, they never have. Well, folks, I think we can say that the three of us do not believe that there is systemic racism in America today, but we also agree that there is racism, and that is destructive to the unity of our nation. So the next question is, what can we do to overcome it, if at all possible? We will address that question after a brief break. Here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, we have several outstanding Bible prophecy speakers who are available to preach and teach at churches and conferences. Let me take a moment to introduce them to you. First, there is Colonel Tim Moore, our associate evangelist and my designated successor. Then there is Nathan Jones, our internet evangelist and my co-host on this program. We also have two outstanding assistant evangelists who serve the ministry part-time. One is Dr. Patrick Oliver, who is director of the criminal justice program at Cedarville University in Ohio. He is also the former police chief of Cleveland, Ohio. Our other assistant evangelist is Pastor Vic Batista of Florida. Vic can preach in either English or Spanish. We are a faith ministry, so we charge no fees for our services. We just expect the host group to cover all expenses and provide a love offering for our ministry. You can find more detailed information about each of these Bible prophecy speakers on our website at lamblion.com. Give us a call. Grace of Prophecy in our discussion of racism in America with Dennis Pollack. For those of you who may have turned in late, let me explain that Dennis was formerly Dr. Reagan's assistant evangelist for 11 years until 2004. Then he founded his own ministry called Spirit of Grace. It's an evangelistic ministry aimed primarily at Africa. Dennis's wife, Benedicta, is a Nigerian. Now, in the first half of this program, we determined that the allegation that systemic racism exists in our nation is a lie. But we also concluded that there's still racism. Honey, he didn't prove nothing. Y'all sitting down here telling them that they proved it. What receipts have you given to say that systemic racism still don't lie? You gave those false statistics, um, false statistics that came from the Washington Post, and that's supposed to be your proof that um, systemic racism don't exist? Their mouth ain't no Bible, just like y'all's ain't. You sit down here and told that life of about from the 80s and the 90s that you didn't see any racism uh, in the community where you lived that it just simply didn't exist. We know that to be a lie. So you, you have proven nothing. On the part of individuals. Dr. Reagan then posed a question for us to think about, and that is where I would like to resume. So Dennis, how can we overcome racism? Well, that's a big question. I wish I had a little uh, quick, uh, easy answer that would immediately turn America into a completely uh, non-racist well, you got country. about 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I think if you have to get to the heart. And you hear them laughing. I just wanted to point that out right quick because they think this is a joke. They think that what black people are going through in America is a joke. You've got 10 minutes to be able to explain how we can get rid of uh, centuries and centuries of uh, racism. Part of the uh, the issue, and uh, you know, I'm a Bible reader. I've been reading the Bible ever since I was 19 years old, and so that's kind of my thing. And as I look into the Scripture, especially the New Testament, the words of Jesus and Paul, uh, I find that all sin comes 
from within. It comes from what Jesus called our heart, or Paul called it the old man, a sin nature. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witness and blasphemy. And he just listed all kinds of ugly things and said it all comes from there. And, uh, and then Paul talks about put off the old man which grows corrupt. Uh, according to the, its, its lusts. So there is in every human being an old guy, you know, <laughs> an old sin nature that is nasty, corrupt, selfish, greedy, grasping. And I wish you'd quit calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> right, present company, except. You see how they laugh? <clears throat> see how they're making fun of this? They think that racism is funny. And now this man giving you an explanation trying to tell you that the old man exists in every single human being. And that's the reason why um, every human being is racist. Because of the old man in him. Let's get something straight. Racism is not genetic. It's learned. It's taught. It's a belief that was handed down from their parents. Now he wants us to believe that it came through us spiritually. But this this sin nature will manifest differently in different people. It doesn't mean that every uh, person that doesn't love Jesus and isn't born again uh, is a racist. There are plenty of non-Christian, non-racists around, and there are uh, so. It doesn't mean you'll automatically be a racist, but what it means is that ugly stuff is going to come out of you as a result of this nature. And that's why the Bible, Jesus said, you must be born again. You, you have to have a new nature. Now, we talked earlier about the laws that were passed and, and that, that created civil rights for blacks. And, and, you know, I applaud that. That was necessary. It helped. It brought blacks and whites together, and they began to look at each other and realize... Um, you're not that different from me. I'm not that different from you. And lo and behold, blacks and white young people began to fall in love, or in some cases, an old guy fell in love with a younger black woman. Uh, so uh, the laws have been good and that they brought us together, but there's a limit to how far they can go. They, they can't reach into somebody's heart and pull it out, uh, pull out the evil, put out the racism. You know, and uh, the other side of that is, they can't fix all the black issues. You know, we haven't talked about the black issues such as... You hear that? You can't fix all the black issues. Are there any white issues? Let's not forget, this country was founded, raised, and built on racism. But they can't get rid of all, all of our issues. This is what they're saying. So the lack of fathers in the black home. I mean, one black, in four black homes do not have a father. Yeah, present. it's That's it's between seventy and seventy-five percent of black uh, babies are born without the father being right. married to the mother. All right, hold up. Let's get let's get that out the way as well. There's a reason for that. First of all, a lot of a lot of black men have been turned into homosexuals. So you may have some that have children out here that now live what y'all call the LBGTQ community or life or lifestyle. Then let's not forget <clears throat> the hundreds of thousands of uh, black men 
that are incarcerated in this unfair judicial system. But y'all ain't going to talk about that. Y'all just want to make y'all think that these uh, black women are sitting out here having these babies. By who? Please give me an explanation of uh, who is making these babies and where these fathers is going. Let's see if y'all address that issue. They grow up with the mother having to work one or two jobs. And uh, as, as a result, they're on the street a lot and often in poor neighborhoods. Of course, they're going to have problems as they grow up. You put a white kid in that situation, mm, mm, you would mm. also have problems. Journalist Candace Owens says there's four solutions to the, the black problem today. is one, graduate from high school. Two, don't get pregnant before marriage. Three, get married. And four, don't commit a crime. She said if that's the secret to success, depending on, it doesn't matter what race you are, that's a secret yeah. for success. And unfortunately, a lot of these intersectors with Can you believe that, ladies and gentlemen, out of all the people in the world that he could have used as a, a moral compass to, um, To, to help uh, uh, show ways to, um, to, you know, become successful at what you do. He could have named a hundred black engineers. He could have named a hundred uh, different uh, athletes. Because you know that we, we run and we're dominant in every field of a sports. From baseball all the way to golf, swimming, hockey. Now we, we didn't, we're taking over that field. But he want to use a white racist female, excuse me, a black white racist female as an example of her mouth being the mouthpiece that's going to solve um the 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 uh school to jail pipeline that you guys created the police please yes absolutely uh you show them respect they're there to protect our lives so. yeah and uh the black commentator larry elder said uh, let me give you the five reasons why blacks are having so many trouble uh, so much trouble in their families and in their communities another boot list another butter biscuit fathers in the home number four lack of black fathers in the home number three number two number one lack of black fathers in the home uh and there is a real problem there and whether you're white or black you, you you've got to admit that we need to take the words of that wise philosopher beyonce who said you should put a ring on it and so uh, these, these black young you hear this <clears throat> now they're quoting beyonce so you mean to tell me that y'all can't find one successful black man that y'all can quote. Boy, oh boy. Men need to put a ring on the, uh, the wives of their ladies and, and marry them. But what I was going to say was, just like you can't pull racism out of the heart, uh, you know, one thing about Larry Elder I disagree with, you know, they said, well, what do you do? He said, well, you tell people to be responsible. You tell people, you know, to get jobs, marry their wives. Well, you can tell them all day long, but if their heart is, is messed up, if they're not born again, you know, it, it's it's not going to work. Just like you can tell a racist, you know, you really shouldn't be racist. It's just wrong. And he may nod and smile, but you haven't changed him a bit. It's kind of like telling an obese person, well, you really ought to just not eat so much and lose some weight, you know. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, technically that's right, but you're not doing them any favor. Well, the Bible always seems to bring us back to how God sees things. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are all God's children. We are all created in his yeah. image. This division based on the color of your skin, the melatonin, yeah. or maybe some cultural differences is nonsense. When you think that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and we became Christians, we became one body. The races, the ethnicities no longer matter. I love how First Corinthians... Wait a minute. Before we even go on to Corinthians, let's, let's just talk about that just for a brief moment. <clears throat> when God created man and woman, we know that the first humans that he created were black. This is not in no dispute in any culture or any religion, any ethnicity. We know that he created us in his image. When he means us, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about the original human beings, which was Adam and Eve, which was a black woman and a black man. Now, I don't mean any insults of any other race or anything other than like that, but let's face it. You are a watered-down version, a generational version from the original creation from God. That's all I'm saying. And I ain't saying nothing other than that. Am I right? Or am I wrong? Everything else is a generational individual from the original creation. Now, that's something for y'all to think about. It's 12, 13, and some parallel verses say there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's exactly. neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And when you become... We're all one in Christ Jesus who died for our, our sins. And then that and, and that's only true about what he said. If you um, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, only if you believe that God rose him from the dead, and then you'll be saved. So again, he's trying to fool us. He's, he's trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Now, I don't know what they say about um, wolves in sheep's clothing. So uh, is he trying to pull the wool over our eyes? I mean, y'all got to excuse me too. I've been working all day and, and you may hear a little chewing coming from me in the background because I'm getting my lunch on at the same time that I'm broadcasting this. I'm, I'm multitasking. But I just had to say that because some of you may have noticed that my uh, voice has slightly changed. But my point happened. And, and, and my receipts happened. That's just something for y'all to keep in mind. Come saved and you're a Christian. Those racial and divides. Now, obviously, there's still racial trouble in the church, that old man that you were talking about, but I love how the church is a foretaste of the millennial kingdom when all the nations of the world will be uh, gathered and, and will all love Jesus Christ, and there won't be ethnicity problems or racial tensions yeah. during that time. Well, I, I like the, uh, I think we can solve racism if, if we would do what 
that is that uh, we were to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Yeah. And we are to forgive. That's true, but y'all are not going to do that. You're absolutely right. They're not going to do that. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, you got millions of people out here who don't even believe in Christ, who don't even believe in God. You got a whole bunch of people out here who believe in, um, who are atheists. You got a whole bunch of people out here who believe the world was created by aliens. You got a whole bunch of people out here who believe that um, the universe formed it itself through evolution. And the scientists telling you that a meteorite or a rock struck the earth and that's where life came from. What about them people? So, you're not going to get to everyone. That's not going to happen. You got people who don't, who totally just do, don't believe in God or Christ. Give. Yeah. Uh, he, he laid so many principles down. But the problem is, we again can tell people that, but if the Holy Spirit is not residing within them and encouraging them and motivating them to do that, yeah. that old sin nature prevails. Yeah. You know, th there's two things that, that people need to overcome racism. One is just to know the truth. You know, f from a biblical perspective, the truth is, James James says, uh, we, we were all created in the likeness of God. And therefore, you, you said you, you curse men who've been made in God's likeness. And it's like, you, you shouldn't do that. That's yeah, like cursing God. So the blacks, the whites, the Hispanics, the Asians, every person has been made in the likeness of God. And the other side of it is, God wants uh, lots of people and lots of variety in his family. And in Revelation, when it talks about those worshiping God, it, it talks about people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language. Right. Uh, you know, all, all of that stuff that you're saying, I'm sorry, comes down from the fact of... Uh, generational watered-down versions of what God originally created. You, you're going to have to keep that in mind. And y'all don't. Y'all don't want to tell your parishioners that. You don't want to tell the word, world that. You want to have that fact. Let's keep it real, ladies and gentlemen. There was an original people out here. And they were black. So even though these other individuals you can say were created in God's image. And the only reason why you can say that is because they are a generational watered down version of what God originally created. So if you look at look at it in that sense, then yeah, you can say um that they were uh created in God's image. But the, the truth about it is they were created in Adam and Eve's image, to be honest. And that's what we're doing here. We Everybody here is supposed to be Christians or everybody, even if you're not a Christian, if everybody here is open-minded and, uh, and, and, and know that what it tells you in the book of Genesis or, or <clears throat> what God has personally told you or shown you, then you know those to be facts. You know he only he only created two individuals, and he specifically tell you how he created these individuals. And then if you look anywhere in the Bible, 
he gonna tell you that uh uh so and so begot so and so so and so begot so and so and so on and so on and so on. You won't hear him telling you about um God created uh uh so and so. You won't hear him say just just to give out names. You won't hear him say God created Moses. You won't hear him say God created uh um uh uh Noah. You won't hear him nowhere in the Bible where you hear them say God created Pharaoh. Nowhere in the Bible will you hear him say that God created Nefertiti. Nowhere in the Bible will you hear him say God created uh, Mother Mary or Mary and Joseph and David and Paul and Saul and John. You will not hear that nowhere in the Bible. The only thing you're going to hear about the original uh, original people it's Adam and Eve. Then the only ones you're going to hear in the Bible that he created. Thank you very much. Everybody else is a creation after the fact. They were begotten. And not created. colors, all kinds of languages, dialects, and so forth. Uh, so in a sense of truth, uh, this we know, but you need something more than truth, which is God's love. And uh, the truth is you're not going to experience the love of God if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you. So we we need to get born again. And the problem is in our nation, people are moving away from yes. God, not toward God. You know, and, and it, we have separated ourselves to such a point that we are we are decaying spiritually. There is just not the the love, not the respect, uh, in general. No grace is shown. Yeah. The grace that we were shown through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we're not sharing. With just a few years ago, eighty five percent of the people in this nation claimed to be Christian. Today, it's sixty five percent. It's going. It's dropping. Dropping. You know, like a. Uh, like a bowling ball, it's going down so fast. And of that sixty-five percent that claim to be Christian, probably only half of those are born again. If right. that many, if that many, most of them are cultural Christians. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of odd in a way because, on the one hand, you know, people are protesting uh, racism, racism, racism. That's really the one area of America that's improving. We've come a long way since 1950. In every other area, we're getting worse and worse and worse. You know, if we want to protest, let's protest immorality and all the moral sins of America. There's plenty about America to dislike. (laughs) I'm glad this is so funny to y'all. I'm glad that y'all think that this is a a joke. Because that tells me and it should show everybody else exactly where y'all stand on systemic racism, especially when you tell the lies that uh, it doesn't exist anymore, that it's not around. Especially when you tell these lies that, that that's born in us through spirituality. You said the old man and you went to talking about Jesus and you went to talking about David and you're saying this is uh, uh, inherently uh, present in us. That's not the truth. That's just an outright lie. And all the other 
deconstructed um, uh, theories uh, that I gave you or uh, deconstruction facts, which is backed up by all different type of receipts. So, ladies and gentlemen, that, that is what made me uh, have to talk about systemic racism in America. Is it still alive? Is it still around? And all the evidence, ladies and gentlemen, proves that it's still around because they they touched off on hardly nothing. And then the things that they did touch touch off on, they they know absolutely nothing about because you truly, ladies and gentlemen, you truly have to be in the skin of a black person in order to know what black people are going through, what they are feeling, the conversations that uh, our parents had with us and the conversations that we had to have with our children and our children gonna have to have with their children about racism. They can't know. I can sit back here and give you prime example from back in the day. You wasn't allowed to look no white person in the eye. You better keep your head down, especially if you're walking by. This this had to be taught. We had to teach our children these things. Heck, if you was a a, 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 a black man, you better get off the sidewalk if a white woman uh, uh walks your way, is coming your way. You better move completely off. Now, these are things that we had to teach our uh, sons and daughters. There ain't no white individual who had to teach their kids anything like that. If anything, they would talk the exact opposite. Hold your head up. And, and look at these black individuals. And, and they better move when you uh, uh, come in their way. And the ones that don't have to move, they better not dare make eye contact with you. Let's not forget Emmett Hill. Who, who they claim did something that he didn't do. The white woman just said he did it because that's all they got to do. But just say you did it. And and, and you know what's going to happen. Y'all seen the pictures. Y'all know what happened to him. So these are conversations, ladies and gentlemen, that we got to have with ourselves and we still got to have with ourselves today. And they're talking about uh, black people don't have to feel the way that they're bringing it out today. You, how would you know? You won't, you're not in black people's shoes. And I guarantee you any black person, including the ones that y'all trying to use as reference points like Candace Owens. Oh, she talks all that mess now. She's worried and she's married to a white man like this white man on this program is married to a, 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 a black woman. But y'all, just because... Uh, uh, you marry one, you ain't in their skin. So you don't know what they done went through and you don't know what they're going through. And to get back to what I was saying about Candace Owens, oh, Candace Owens was, uh, 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 she didn't have no problem using the black resources when she had to use them. Now, if she felt so powerful about the thing that you hear her see the, uh, 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 say today, you would know that she wouldn't use none of the uh, resources or wouldn't have had to. Right, she was supposed to be one of them individuals that did, like she said. Well, if, if if you if you don't bother the police, if you graduate from high school, if you do this, if you do that, everything will be fine. Well, look at her, look at her background, and you're gonna find that uh, not to be totally true.
when she needed the, uh, a black organization to get her uh, uh, out of trouble when she was in college, uh, no less. Oh, yeah, she has that. You don't hear about that. All you hear about is that rhetoric that she spews out today because she's married to a white man. And believe me, she's all mad and upset, too, about this book that she done wrote recently and is and, uh, not making a whole bunch of sales. And she tried to actually blame it on, uh, what was it, Sam's Club? Yeah. Who, who's supposedly messing up his sales. No, but it ain't that. People know. People know lies. You may have a few individuals who may go out there and purchase that book. But for the most part, everybody know who you is, Candace Owens. In fact, I believe that's the very reason why this supposedly Christian uh, network is using you as an example. Out of the, all of the people that they could have used, they pick one that that black people got an issue with. They couldn't use. LeBron James. Why not LeBron James? Someone who's got a very good story to tell. Who graduated out of high school, as y'all used one as one of uh, Candace Owens' points of what a person, a black person needs to do. He graduated from high school, ladies and gentlemen, and went straight to the NFL. He didn't even have to go to college. The millions that he's donated, the schools that he has built. But y'all didn't find him. Uh, his lifestyle good enough to use as an example, especially when y'all sitting out here talking about uh, black boys and men. You you found a, 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 a white, a black supremacist female to use as an example for uh, black men and, and, and uh, black boys to follow an example of, uh, please. I'm not going to even touch up a little more on that point right there. L listen here. So check this out right here. You're listening to the beat of a freedom fight that echoes across the centuries. Each step on this 26-mile march along this Louisiana road is a measure of a story that has been suppressed until now. What's happening here represents a piece of history you probably never learned in school. The horses trot to the pulse of revolution. The muskets and machetes are a response to the daily horrors and dehumanization faced by an enslaved people. And each part, each player is in sync to form a present-day representation of the nation's largest slave revolt. The 1811 slave revolt outside New Orleans is so unknown, you probably wouldn't even recognize its name, the German Coast Uprising. It's a significant part of history because even before the civil rights movement of the 60s and even the 50s, you see that there was a desire for freedom way back in the 1800s. In 1811, these enslaved rebels had the most radical idea of freedom and emancipation in the United States at that time. Hey fam, I'm Imayan. Today, we're going to travel back in time so I can tell you why there's this plaque marking the nation's largest slave rebellion and why you've probably never even heard of that uprising. Spoiler alert, it's by design.
looks like. It's costumes, props, planning, and people. In 1712, Louisiana only had 10 Africans. By the start of the Civil War in 1860, the state had more than 330,000 enslaved people. Hundreds of years later, the descendants of the African diaspora are walking alongside each other as a reminder of a historic event. When a slave named Charles Delon plotted what would become the nation's largest slave revolt 208 years ago, he couldn't have envisioned that much money or an artist named Dred Scott reimagining his rebellion for the 21st century. And um, I wanted to do this because I'm very interested in the past, how the past sets the stage for the present. And I think it's really important for people to learn about this history, but also to think about how we get free today. Scott first conceived of the idea eight years ago and has spent the last six pulling together this massive reenactment, which is happening about 30 miles outside of New Orleans. The project features hundreds of reenactors taking on the roles of enslaved people fighting for their freedom in a place where you can still see pristine plantations 154 years after the Civil War. Uh, my great-grandparents came to the United States as slaves. Uh, my great-grandmother came to the United States through North Carolina as a slave. My great-grandfather came through the Caribbean islands as a slave here in Louisiana. And my mother was born on a plantation. So that also has kind of spurred the curiosity in me. Pastor Donald Ray August Sr. is a son of LaPosse, Louisiana. And he leads a church that he says sits on the land of former slaves' quarters. He'll be a reenactor in this event, and though the rebellion happened in his hometown, he hadn't learned about it until he was far into adulthood. I don't remember ever hearing anything about the 1811 slave uprising. Uh, even the elders in this area spoke very little about something that occurred here. So it's, it's an unspoken, maybe even uncomfortable part of history that uh, many people didn't want to delve into. Today, the place where enslaved people gathered arms is marked with roadways and refineries. It's in the shadow of these modern-day structures that Scott's art unfolds in St. John the Baptist, St. Charles, and Orleans parishes. I'm standing on the grounds that helped kill the myth of the happy slave, and it all happened just one year before Louisiana gained statehood. It was raining on January 8, 1811, when Charles Delon and a group of an estimated 25 slaves attacked the sleeping owner, Manuel Andre, killed his son, and started a rebellion. They wanted to start a free republic for black people in New Orleans. Louisiana's uprising was partially inspired by news of Haiti's revolution. That anti-slavery rebellion won freedom for enslaved people and created the sovereign island nation in 1804. What does it feel like to be dressed up and embody the spirit of one of these? rebels who was enslaved and fighting for freedom. It's just like wearing a mask that gives the energy. I can walk until tomorrow. I do not feel tired. I'm telling you. Ibrahim Asek is one of the people who advised Scott as he organized this project. As the director of research for the Whitney Plantation, he spent his entire career studying the transatlantic slave trade. And he says it's his duty to educate people about the African diaspora. Some people don't want you to be educated because, you know, educated people uh, cannot be enslaved. 
I met people who had traveled from as close as Mississippi and as far off as Washington, D.C. to participate in this demonstration. There were also many locals. Having the community's involvement was a must for Scott, a person who more than 30 years ago named himself after the man in the Supreme Court's most infamous decision. In 1847, Dred Scott unsuccessfully sued for his freedom. Ten years later, our highest court said no person of African ancestry, whether they were free or enslaved, could become a U.S. citizen. This particular story is also suppressed because from day one, the, the governor actually spun the story as there's not much to see here. The French colonial society was terrified of the slave rebellion and the, the, the possibility that it could have been successful. They also wanted to downplay its significance because they didn't want people to think there was huge numbers of revolting and rebelling enslaved people. Another reason this major event is lesser known may be because of this, Jim Crow. Jim Crow was another trauma. Another layer of trauma. I think that trauma, that, that newer trauma, just uh, did, did hide the old, the old trauma. The segregationist laws across the Deep South made black people second-class citizens until the Civil Rights Act passed in 1964. Unlike 1811, the 2019 version of the rebellion successfully makes it to New Orleans. Scott was deliberate in his choice not to visualize the uprising's brutal ending. That white people did some terrible things during the times of slavery, that's not news. What is news is that black people had agency and self-determination and were fighting for freedom. In reality, some enslaved people were able to escape. Others were captured and returned to bondage. And 45 people, including Charles DeLand, were sentenced to death. Their heads were placed on poles alongside the river levee from New Orleans to Laplace to serve as a gruesome warning and reminder another slave uprising would not be tolerated. They were able to formulate a, a plan and to carry it out, even though it did not end completely successful, but they had the desire to even try. So that exemplifies a lot of courage. historical adaptation, the rebellion ends in this jubilant celebration. There's dancing and joy and a direct connection to some of today's biggest issues. We don't have those same obstacles today, and yet we, we need to fight as, in, in as determined a way as they did. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So that's a bit of history that I'm sure uh, a lot of people don't know about, young and old. I mean, you got to remember, even back then when they made a movie called uh, uh, Birth of a Nation, they tried to hide that movie. It wasn't playing in a lot of major theaters, but they had a private showing in the White House. They did have that. But oh yeah, you had they they that movie did not get a lot of uh reviews because a lot of theaters wouldn't play it. And the ones who did have it, they kept trying to tell people who was coming there to see it that oh it's sold out. And they're like, Okay, well give me a ticket for the next showing. I mean they were doing all type of things to uh keep that uh movie from uh coming out and, and keep uh keep it from America. But uh, I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, it didn't work. As hard as they tried, it it it, uh, it didn't work. And and I encourage y'all to go see that. 
if you uh if you haven't saw it, please go go see that. Yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much for, for sticking around for this uh to me this special episode of, of uh chilling with Teddy G because this was not my plan to uh, have this uh, episode at all. Like I told y'all before, I was looking for something totally uh, different and uh, in, in doing my research, I just happened to come across this and I felt that it needed to be uh, addressed. I, I couldn't just let that get away like that. You know, that that's part of my mission and my plan in life is to uh, make, uh, make y'all aware of what's going on. And there was no way that I was going to let that opportunity slip away from me. Again, I, you know what? I, I thank each and every one of y'all for tuning in to this episode of Chilling with Teddy G. And I want each and every one of y'all to have a safe and blessed day. Thank you again. Somebody black talk black to me.